My guest for today is an American actor, screenwriter, playwright, and producer. He is the creator and writer of Here TV sitcom From Here On Out. Other work you might know him from, Seventh Heaven, In Living Color, Hell Comes to Frogtown, and Gaydar. He has acted in over 100 plays in theaters across the country, sharing the stage with such stars as Elaine Stritch, Dixie Carter, Patricia Heaton, and Matthew Perry. He is also the writer and creator starring in the long-running play, Electricity. it knows who you are, and if you like Judy Garland Because it's light Rings as if you are a queenie Or something in betweenie Aim and shoot at a suit Who is teasing If he's a brute or a fruit You'll know it's easy Welcome to the show, Terry Ray. Gosh, Mark, thanks. It's nice to be here. Nice to nice to have a little chat. I am just so impressed with you, Terry, because you make things happen. You are like Diane Carroll to me. She oh my would God. make things happen. She did not wait around for anyone to give her anything. Um, but uh, uh, she's a very proactive person, and you are too. I do not see any reason why you shouldn't have your own network television show. If you want me to be quite honest, you are just such a talented guy. And I got to learn that from doing research on you. I mean, we've kind of talked before and, and chatted, but then when I could go in depth and actually see all the things that you've done and that you do and look at your reels and how talented you are, all I can say is bravo, my friend. Oh my God, that's some powerful words. I mean, to be in the same breath as Diane Carroll, hello. Um, <laughs> well, Terry- you are an actor, writer, producer, songwriter. Tell me, am I leaving anything else out? Out of <laughs> uh, no, I wear a lot of hats because I have to. Because here's my thing: I'm a, I'm a very strong proponent of making making things happen. You just I cannot stand sitting around waiting for something to happen. So I do what I have to to make it happen. That's the only way I can function. Just have to do it. And out of all those titles, which one of them, which one of those hats do you enjoy wearing the most? I I am always an actor. I'm always an actor, but I absolutely love writing. So I, I can't, I don't know if I can do a Sophie's Choice on between the two of those yet. Um, yeah. I can tell you my least favorite is producing. <laughs> I hate producing, but I do it because I have to. Yeah, if I, 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 you're not alone in that. I've talked to a handful mm-hmm. of other uh, people that are, are are similar to you in and creating their own things, and it's the producing end that they they don't like the most. Um, yeah. So you are an actor that became a writer in order to give yourself a vehicle to act in. 
more than yeah. a writer who acts because he might feel he's the best person for whatever particular role. Yeah, I started creating my own stuff, but I'm, I was uh, when uh, three years old, if you asked me what I wanted to be, I would have said an actor and an archaeologist. And I just always, I don't remember not wanting to be an actor. I don't know where it came from. Well, acting is definitely your main focus, but I'm going to talk about your writing a lot because it's, it's kind of significant to your career. It's allowing you to act. Yeah. Um, how old were you when you wrote your first story? Uh, you know, I, I didn't really write stories. Uh, I, I wrote sketches when I was a kid uh, and I wrote sketches in college, but I didn't really write a play or anything uh, until around 1999. Uh, and I wrote, uh, I was, I was doing a temp job at um, the Los Angeles Master Corral, which is the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. And they were doing this huge concert for Hollywood movie music. And I said, well, you know, why don't you guys get movie stars to introduce these pieces? And they're like, well, can you make that happen? And I'm like, okay. So I, the first thing I did was I created the show, the Dorothy Chandler with Mickey Rooney and uh, Rhonda Fleming and Brock Peters and uh, Dean Jones and uh, uh, Michael York. It was crazy. And that was my first, first writing job. Interesting. And that is quite a little niche for you, too. I mean, kind of bringing back names that we would know from the past and, yeah. and kind of uh, putting a, a new light on them. What do you feel makes a good story or a good sketch or, or a good play? Like when you're writing something, uh, how do you d determine or know whether or not that content is going to resonate with with your audience? I think I, I think I just have to write it uh, to my own sensibility. Like if I think it's funny, um, then I'm like, okay, I think it's funny. Or if I think it's moving or if I think it, 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 it kind of bridges both, which is what I love to do the most is to try to combine the, the humor with the serious. Um, I just use myself, I, my, own, uh, my own meter. And if, if, if I think it's funny, then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with it. Huh. Um, it's got to tell a story. It's it's got to be something that um, that will hold interest. You know? Did you ever take any writing classes, or did you just kind of figure it all out from all the TV and movies that you consume? I I never took a writing class ever. Um, but I was like like you said in the intro, I was in so many plays that um, I feel like I I really did know how to tell a story by having acted in so many different stories. Mm -hmm. So um, I just, but I, I never took a class. And written by very notable playwrights. So I guess that's a pretty good school too. Um, yeah. I mean, the plays that you've done are, are, you know, plays that we would all know. Uh, do you prefer to follow a script or do you prefer to improv? Um, I, I love a script. I love improv too. I started out in, in LA doing improv, um, which is, it, it's, I think it's great for any actor because it, it, it makes you fearless. It's like you, you really have to learn to stand on that stage in front of an audience and make it work. And that's also storytelling, but, um, but on your feet. And so I was really thankful that I had that experience in that background in improv because it has helped me ever since. And um, I, I, I think it's invaluable. Yeah, you, you really have to be good at thinking on your feet to, to succeed in, in improv. Uh, you've ghostwritten for several uh, TV movies. Yeah. Uh, and, and that basically means you did the writing or a lot of the writing and didn't get any credit for it. Um, what is that all about? And, and why don't they just give people credit for stuff that they've 
they've uh, written and how prevalent are ghost writers in Hollywood? Well, that was a that was a real lesson because I didn't know until I got s- stuck in the middle of it. But I had optioned a, a, a script that I co-wrote with my friend Larry LaFond. We uh, wrote this screenplay and we thought it was really good. And we gave it to a production company and they said, okay, and they optioned it. And we we're like, okay, great. But they said, and we got all excited. It's like, how about you guys working on some other scripts? <laughs> and this is how it went. They'd be like, okay, um, we have a script by Frank Smith and this is the title, so write that. But we never read it. We never, we, we were writing the whole thing from scratch. Hmm. And, um, you know, they would say that it's about this, but then, we, so it wasn't a rewrite. I mean, like literally we were creating it. And then I wondered if Frank Smith, who sold that title to them, if they didn't change the title and then no one got paid to write it except for the staff at their place. So I, I, it's a way to cheat people out of money to be perfectly honest. And I I got tired of it. Yeah. I know it happens a lot in the music industry too. There are a lot of times that uh, the people that wrote the songs aren't really credited for it, which I understand to a a degree. I mean, if you're Barbara Streisand or someone that is actually selling the song, that's one thing, but uh you know, uh, publishers or whatever, just putting their name on something that they yeah. didn't really, I mean, you know, if they want to take the money for it, you know, that's fine. But a, a credit, a name, a name credit, it seems like that would help to get the person more work, even if, you know, maybe they weren't getting the royalties that they should, which hopefully they will get that too. But just putting your name on something and being associated with it instead of having to explain to people, oh, well, I was the ghostwriter on that, (laughs) even though, you know, 90% of what you saw is what I wrote. Yeah, I did that 11 times, 11 movies before I was like, okay, um, I can't do this anymore. Uh, We kind of covered this. I think you already mentioned your first legitimate writing credit, which was Hollywood Goes Classical. With yeah, Rooney. that's what that was. Yeah. Yeah. So that was your first legitimate writing credit. What, how did you get the idea just to bring back these classic film and television stars and kind of giving them new life and, and that actually being a viable kind of market? Well, uh, you know, I have a, a, a show called TV therapy, um, which is really what I'm bringing them back for uh, now in this part of my world is uh, because I love them. Uh, like, you know, I I I I, uh, I get excited about people from my childhood that I that I uh, was raised with, like like you know, like you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I love doing that. I love I it's a it's a treat for me to get to you to work with a classic star that I that I grew up with, and uh, and I think that it's a treat for a lot of people to see them. So it's uh, I think it it it. it fulfills a couple things. It, it's something exciting for me. And I think it's something exciting for the audience because uh, I'm not alone. I mean, we, we love people from our childhood and we love seeing that reliving that. Yep. Absolutely. Our childhood, when we, even though we thought we had a care and the worry in the world, most of us really didn't, <laughs> so it, you know, it brings back a lot of just a, a really good time. Uh, who are some of your favorite writers and, and why are, are, what makes them your favorite writers? I am a, a big fan of Christopher Durang. I, I think he's deliciously funny. Um, uh, I just, I love him. Um, have you, do you know of any of his work? No, t- tell, tell us some of the stuff he's done. Uh, the classic TV or movies? Or... He's, a, he's a playwright. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. 
Beyond Therapy. Uh, oh, okay, I'm, I I think I've done scenes from that. <laughs> right, right. Sister, uh, Sister Mary Ignatius explains it all for you. Um, uh, of course, I love Neil Simon. Uh, Neil Simon is, is is such a brilliant, he was such a brilliant actor because his stuff is really, really timelessly funny, but it also has a lot of uh, depth to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the characters have a lot of heart to them and there's, there's, there's meat there, which I really, really appreciate. And, uh, you know, I, Tennessee Williams, of course, I just, as far as somebody who can really uh, uh, paint a beautiful character, um, Aaron Sorkin, I think is a brilliant writer. There's, I, I, I just, I love writers. I'm, I, I have crushes on writers. And speaking of which, how did you and Larry LaFond meet? You seem to be very good with working with people. I think you had a number of collaborations and it seems like with Mr. LaFond, that's one of your more prolific ones that you've done several things together. How did that partnership get formed? Uh, so Larry, who's uh, one of my uh, very best friends, and he lives just a few houses away from me, and I'm going over there in a little bit to drink some wine with him. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> um, we met at Nickelodeon. Uh, I, I did like maybe five Nickelodeon shows that he was in the casting department, and he cast me in um, Keenan and Kel, that series. And, um, and I thought, oh gosh, if he wasn't a casting director, I could be friends with him, but I'm so bad at like sucking up to people that are in power. Cause I feel like, oh, it looks like I'm just being your friend because you're powerful. So I don't do it, which is yeah. probably to my detriment. But I, I, I just thought, you know, Larry would be a great friend. And, and, and he, he broached it. He's like, uh, why can't we be friends? So we started being, you know, hanging out as friends and, and he wanted to direct and I wanted to, um, you know, star in something. And so, um, he said, let's, let's make a little short. And, um, we wound up making, uh, writing, uh, the short film Gator, which <laughs> has become this crazy cult thing. It, it, it's a 20 minute film. It was in over 120 film festivals. I, I stopped counting at 120 and it won a ton of awards. It was all over the world. It's Charles Nelson Riley's last film role. He was my acting teacher and he played my uncle in that. And it's just been an amazing th- gift, Gator was. And that sort of like launched both of us as uh, people who um, were able to write and, and, and create something. So Gator was a great collaboration. And, and so we did other things together. We did another short film, which I'm very proud of that people haven't seen called Cost of Living, which is a comedy about life after global warming, which is so appropriate even now. So I, you know, I, I love some of the stuff Larry and I have done. Yeah, I really liked uh, Cost of Living. Gator too. I mean, it, it didn't, it, it doesn't, I don't think it's something that like makes straight guys uncomfortable too. I think that they can find a lot of humor in it too. And it's very lighthearted and, you know, I, I thought it was very well done the way you did that. I, I, I'm wondering, though, if you would have wished you planned for more of those Gator guns, if, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell was uh, showing it off on her show and wanted to give some to the audience. <laughs> but I, uh, I guess you... she was wrong about that. There were way more than what she said. <laughs> oh, really? OK. All right. Because it, it seemed like that would be a great way to market not only the movie, but to make some... Uh, extra you know i had five thousand of them so they were right yeah um Uh, and what was i gonna say oh um oh gaydar okay so how did you get that done i mean you shot that on 35 millimeter 
uh, 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 camera, from what I'm understanding, the same camera that they shot Star Wars with. Yes, yes. How did you, how'd you make that all happen? You, the thing that impresses me so much about you is that now people creating their content is kind of the norm. Everyone knows and wants to do that. But you were like doing it when it wasn't that easy. I mean, right now we have the software where you can actually shoot and edit and put together something for really an affordable cost. But when you started doing it, things weren't that easy. You know, and, and I think the only thing that I can say is we just, we just didn't uh, let no take us and put us, keep us down because it's, it's an impossibly daunting task uh, with two people who had no money, like Larry and I had no money at the time. We just did whatever we had to do. I mean, um, what are those steps though? What did you do to make your dream a reality? And when did it sink in? Wow. We're we're really going to get this thing done. Right. Okay. So um, Mark's boyfriend, I mean, uh, Mark's boyfriend, you're Mark. Larry's boyfriend (laughs) was also Mark. Uh, So Larry's boyfriend, Mark, um, was um, a, a, a DP. So he had this camera and he really wanted to shoot for him. He's like, I don't want to shoot it on video. I want to shoot it on my camera, which he had thought had a history, but it wasn't proven yet. Uh, but he had, he was a, like a camera savant and he did these things for Panavision, which you can't buy a Panavision camera, but because he fixed so many for free, they said, you can pick the parts of a camera and uh, take it. And he knew what he was doing. He had a suspicion and he picked this camera that he was able to prove later with all the serial numbers after he fixed it was the star Wars camera, which sold for more money than any, any cameras ever sold for an auction over a half a million dollars. He sold that camera for, but um, so we're shooting on 35 millimeter. Okay. So now we have to like figure out how to do that money. That's money. You have to pay for the film. You have to get it developed. And we're like, okay, so, um, so we started telling people we needed money. And so uh, this girl's parents died. She said, if you will clean out the house and take everything away, you can have it. So we're like everything in the house. And she said, yes, I don't want anything. So we got a U-Haul and we got everything out of the house and we sold it at yard sales for weeks. And so we made lots of money from that. We had like a big fancy party outside. I mean, not fancy, but fun and, and charge people money to come to the party and, and, and um, spend money at the party. We raised money that way. Uh, we, we had bingo. We played bingo. We did everything we could think of to raise money and we did raise the money uh, and um, made it happen. We shot on short ends, which is the tiny little bit of film that's left over after a real camera shoot doesn't have enough for a second take or another take, they take the film out. This is called a short end and they, they sell those little short ends. And so mm-hmm. when we were doing it, we never had more than a minute and like 20 seconds for a shot. So um, Charles Nelson Riley was like, you know, we, he had a big, he had a monologue and we had to keep stopping at different points. And he's like, why can't I get through my monologue without you yelling cut? <laughs> and was, we had to explain what a short end was. And I could tell that he was just registering all that for a story later. It's like they had short ends. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good Charles Nelson Riley Im- Im- imitation too. Um, what do you find the, the difference in being uh, just the writer and actor versus having to wear all three hats, actor, writer, and producer? Well, the best thing about being a producer is your, your opinion counts. And I do enjoy that. Um, so I, I enjoy having an opinion that counts because, you know, for so long in Hollywood as an actor, no one cared what I thought. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so I have earned the right to have my opinion count, and I, I treasure that. But uh, it is way easier to just be the writer or the actor than it is to be a producer. Yeah. Uh, cost of living. Um, that is what you envision for a web series, correct? Uh, yeah. Originally, I think we did. Because uh, um, I really really appreciate it myself and it is so timely even though you did it what a decade ago yeah but it's still uh very timely now and i don't know if we're learning anything but how is that being received is it like breaking through to anyone or is there are there any you know what i could not i've never been able to break through with cost of living to get people to see it and Mm -hmm. uh people haven't seen it and i wanted like al gore to see it because i thought this is like a a great little piece about you know global warming yeah, that yeah. Is, it's got a message and it's got it's funny and there's not a lot of comedy about global warming and i and i feel like it tells a story with a message in a funny way and i i you know i i don't know how to get to al gore but i tried to tweet him and stuff and it just, just never worked and i was never able to get through to the people who i thought should see cost of living to see it but i always hope that they will because it still seems timely that's that's a real shame i mean the planet will be burning and you'll you'll still have a a problem (laughs) i mean i don't know what what it is uh why we don't seem to read signs and and learn lessons uh but no matter how many songs are written no matter or how many plays are written no matter how many movies or tv shows are going we still seem to be going in the wrong direction yeah yeah. yeah, but I, 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 but I'm just proud of that uh, little short film because I, I think it's important to, um, you know, if you're going to do a project for yourself, that it's that it has some kind of a meaning to it, and and in and, and you can do a comedy with meaning, and I, yeah, and I, that's important absolutely, to me. and that that little small handful of a uh, bowl of popcorn busted me up, <laughs> but <laughs> it really is a film, something that people should see, and and people should keep it in their consciousness. I just hope that. Uh, it really deserves to 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 be put out there, and uh, you know I don't know if just people just don't want to think about it or deal with it or whatever, but you know our problems are not going to go away by just ignoring them. So yeah, exactly. Uh, I, yeah, I just think that people don't fathom a comedy about global warming. I just think that it doesn't compute with them. So it's, it's really a shame. Uh, how did yeah. you come up with the idea to do mods couples? Mod Couples uh, uh, was a game show that Here TV uh, asked me to develop for them. It, um, I had done the sitcom with them, and I I was a contestant on game shows often. <laughs> and um, I think I, you had one memorable moment that I I, I had meant to look up because I kind yeah, of yeah I I have, somewhere. <laughs> I have been named the uh, third gayest moment in the history of game shows after. Paul and Charles Nelson Riley, I'm number three. That's pretty um, good company. Yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, I, I outed myself on on Scrabble in the 80s. Um, but um, but mod couples, uh, they had we had made the, the sitcom with your TV and they they wanted a, a situation uh, a, a w- with straight couples and uh, gay couples, sort of like a I don't know if it's not like the newlywed game because it, it's a little bit like the newlywed game because there's questions about that. But having as you know, just seeing that straight couples and gay couples are the same, really. Their 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 situations and their their interrelationship things are the same. So they wanted to have the straight couple and a gay couple, you know, kind of do newlywed style things. And um, 
So that's how we developed mod couples into that. Where where do you get your writing ideas and inspiration from? Because you are are certainly not a one trick pony. Because you know I had thought that you know the gay audience was kind of your niche, but then uh, you had an, another one that I saw. I think it was a TV movie or something like that. Ah, oh, shoot, now I'm forgetting the name. Blonde woman was in it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's called uh, it was it was called it's called Love Unplugged. They changed the title. Yeah, that's it. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. But that's you know there's. Per, per, how I don't think you can get much more mainstream than that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I've written several uh, several straight things. Um, I, uh, I I somehow I don't, I, and I hate to say this, but I, I I don't seem to have trouble getting ideas. Hmm. They just um, happen, and they and I'm a kind of a, a, a quick writer, so um, I love it. I uh, when I write something, it kind of just kind of flows out of me. And then my favorite thing is to wait a day or two and then read it again and go, okay, now I know how to make this good. So <laughs> I just sort of have to get it out of me and then let me go, where was I going with this? I get it now. And then you, so you basically spit it out and then you kind of shape it. Yeah. The, like and the, that on the following shaping part is my favorite. I love that. Yeah. Every time I read it, there's like, and, and I'm never finished because every time I read something, I can go, I can make that line better. I can make that line shorter. I can make that, I, you know, so I finally, at some point, I just got to go, okay, I'm done. But if I read it again, I'll change it. <laughs> but that, that can go. And so, I mean, do you give yourself a deadline then? Because, you know, we, we could keep looking at our work and right. always find something to mm-hmm. change or improve. What's the most difficult part of the, the whole writing process for you? Oh, um, uh, getting it uh, made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of like uh, acting, you know, the real challenge isn't so much in becoming a good actor, but after you become a good actor, getting work (laughs) acting. Um, Do you give yourself a schedule? Do you make sure to write a certain amount every day or, or uh, um, do you, do you, do you, do you give yourself uh, writing deadlines and, and, and and like, if you're working on a project that at least you'll do 10 pages today? I try, but I do, I do have, um, like a routine of day, like, like, uh, since I am self-employed at home, you know, writing or acting or something later, you know, at night in the play, I, I do structure my day as a work day. So I don't, I don't turn the TV on. I don't do anything except, okay, I'm at the computer. This is what I'm doing. Uh, but then, you know, I go out and I'll have lunch with a friend or something like that. But, um, I do structure the day. I don't, I don't set parameters about how much I have to write or something. It just sort of, uh, today I'm going to write, uh, tomorrow I, I have to do something else for somebody, but today, tomorrow will be different, but today I write, uh, it just, uh, if I have a deadline, of course, when I was writing those ghost things, I had deadlines. And, um, so I, we had to do it at a certain time, but, um, most of the time I'm, I'm on my own schedule, but I do write. Uh, and I, I have to write when it's dead quiet and I have to write in, um, in the morning, usually, uh, mm-hmm. because my brain is percolating all night long. I'm a terrible sleeper. And so I, I keep thinking of things in, in all night long. And in the morning when I wake up, I'm ready to like, get it out of my head. I have to write it down. Mm-hmm. Well, you grew up in, in Grove city, Columbus, Ohio. Am I correct? Grove city is a suburb of Columbus. Yeah. So what was that like? And what was it like coming out? 
in Ohio? Like if you had to make a film out in Ohio, how would you tell that story? 